Hallelujah. There is deliverance in that name. There is redemption in that name. Hallelujah. Everything I need is wrapped up in a name that is above every name. Praise God. If you've got something you're praying about, amen. Why don't we go together right now? You'll see names projected. And we want to pray for those individuals. Brother Roger Black's cousin, Andrea, is um, an individual that was found in the desert two days ago, was struggling with addictions and what have you. And she was deceased. And so the family, is, of course, is reeling from that. So we want to pray that God's hand and his anointing will touch. Amen. Praise God. Them, know that he is a comforter and he brings strength. And so the prayer request is specifically for comfort. Believe that God is able to provide that. Amen. The names that are projected, amen. Pray for the Wilson family. And if there's anything that you're praying about, amen. What an opportunity tonight to be able to spend some time in a service and say, God, here's my need, my petition. I want you to respond to it. Amen. Praise God. You know, sometimes he doesn't answer our petitions immediately. It's not on our time. But this one thing we do know, if the scripture said that he bottles the tears of the saints, then that means every petition we make known to him, it goes before the throne of grace. Amen. So what an opportunity to put that before the Lord and say, God, we want you to respond to these things. Why don't we do that together right now? We lift up our voice and our hands and our faith to you and we ask for your ability and your strength and your anointing to be felt in the house of God tonight. I love you and thank you and worship you. Know that what we're doing is not something that is just a point in a service that we just haphazardly go by. Amen. But we can agree together and unify as the body of Christ. And we ask for your strength and your ability and your anointing to be felt in this house tonight. I thank you and worship you. Praise God. I feel faith in the house of God. Hallelujah. Praise God. In Jesus' name we say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We have confidence in you and believe that you're a God that is well able to do above and beyond what we could even think or ask. And so we extend these things before you and we ask for your ability and your strength. In Jesus' name we pray. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Give to you thanks. We worship you. We worship you. We worship you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. You can be seated just for a moment. I want to say just a few words before we get into the reading of the scripture here tonight. Uh, first thing I want to say is I'm so grateful and thankful for our band, our church band, and all of our singers. I've, I've had the opportunity of being in a lot of places, and there's some talent out there. I've, I've had that opportunity to be in churches and on a secular level. And in case you don't know it, what you are experiencing every single servants is an amount of excellence that people pay a lot of money to go to a concert and listen to somebody. Thank God for their time and their effort. We need to clap our hands and thank them. Thank you very, very much. Praise God. Hallelujah. Praise God. They work diligently hard. They're anointed. They don't take it for granted. And so I want to make sure that they know from a pastoral perspective. I appreciate all of you, what you're doing. And there's more of you that are not on the platform here tonight. But your talent and your ability is first class. 
Amen. We appreciate that very, very much. Amen. Praise God. This morning, this morning in Primera Iglesia First Church, Verdad, Truth, Pentecostal. Praise God. They had 41 in service today. Praise God. We need to thank God for that. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. They had 41, and they had 29 guests. And 12, <laughs> 29 that would be considered guests, and 12, that is the core group there, they've got more guests than core people. Praise God. We want to pray that God continues to do revival there. Hallelujah. Amen. And continues to work. And I believe that God is there. The thing about the Hispanic community that is so cool that, that we all could learn from is they're very connected on a family basis. So if one person comes, they bring the whole family. That is lost in America. And that's one of the reasons why the Hispanic community is very, very strong is because they put a high priority on the family. So we're believing that God's going to impact and touch families. Amen. In Jesus' name. This is only the, just the third week or the fourth week. This is the third week. And um, so we want to continue to pray that God's anointing in his hand is upon them in every way. Amen. Every way, every, every shape, every fashion. Amen. That the anointing breaks out over there. And, and God does a, a great thing. So we're very, very excited for that. I mentioned... Uh, this morning, some of those changes and what has transpired, and the reason we've been able to do that is really, it, first of all, it's on the the backs of people that have a burden to be used of God in different ministries. But a large part of that is on the backs of our young people. And so this morning, I had an opportunity just to explain what we were doing, why we were doing it, and where those young people are. And so if you are not here this morning, I want to say to all the young people that I am very, very thankful. Uh, we would not have been able to do this if it was not for some young people willing to step out and be used of God. So I want to recognize you again here tonight, amen, and tell you how proud I am of you. God bless you. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. God is good to us. And I want us to stand, and we're going to read 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse number 1. We'll just read verse number 1. I'll allow you to be seated, and then we'll read through the rest of that. Amen. Praise God. Look around you here tonight. You've got a comfortably full house, but if you see a space next to you, believe God that it's going to be filled. Praise God that it's going to be filled. I'm looking out and I'm seeing Brother Rob. I need to just do a little bit of housekeeping here. Uh, thank God for Brother Rob who does valet for our elders. What a cool ministry that is. Thank you. Amen. And uh, that is really, really cool. We respect our elders and he takes ownership of that and tries to accommodate the elders and valet park. So he has some spaces over there. The reason why he reserves the spaces is so that he knows when he grabs a car that there's actually a parking space there. And so don't pick the cone up and then park. That that kind of 
that ruins the ministry of valet parking for the elders if you pick the cone up and then park yourself. And I know we've got, we're, we're trying to make room for more parking and God has blessed us. And we've got a full house here tonight and it's going to continue because that's the way that revival works. But in an effort to make sure that we can um, help people and they can utilize that service, just, just be cognizant and mindful of that. And somebody said, amen. <laughs> Praise God. First Samuel chapter two, verse number one. And Hannah prayed and said, my heart rejoiceth in the Lord. Mine horn is exalted in the Lord. My mouth is enlarged over mine enemies because I rejoice in thy salvation. And for a few moments here tonight, I really feel um, that God is trying to direct us to something here in the house of God tonight. I want to preach to you for a few moments on this subject. For your glory. For your glory. It's all about how great he is. It's all about how awesome he is. It's for his glory. Amen. No matter, no matter what happens, whether it's good for his glory, whether it's bad, it's for his glory. Praise God. Amen. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you and praise you. We worship you. We ask that your ability and strength and anointing would be in the house of God tonight. We give to you thanks. We praise you. We ask all these things. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you. you. can be seated. I want to read the rest of this prayer, and I want to reiterate. This is Hannah praying. This is one of the prayers of the Bible, and there is a lot of powerful stuff in, in this. So let's go through this prayer. My heart rejoiceth in the Lord. Amen. My horn is exalted in the Lord. Horn means status and strength and ability. Because of God, my strength and my status has been elevated. Before, I was nothing. The psalm said I was a worm. That's one particular hymn that God saved such a worm as I. But God has elevated me. And so my horn is exalted. My status and my strength and my ability is exalted in the Lord. Who does it? The Lord does it. The Lord is the one that picked me out of that previous situation and has turned things around in my life so that I can say I am exalted and I am encouraged and my status has changed. Before you came to God, your status was a worm. Before you came to God, your status was a sinner. Before you came to God, your status was a lot of things. But now in the house of God, your status is defined through the work of Calvary and you can say my horn is exalted in the Lord because of God. My mouth is enlarged over mine enemies. Sometimes it's better not to say anything and just listen than to say stuff and then stick your foot in your mouth. And so I understand all of that. And certainly Hannah has understood this because there have been moments when she has just shut her mouth and she's had to deal with the burden and the difficulty. But in this prayer, she is saying, the Lord has made my mouth larger than the enemy's mouth. The enemy 
is always talking and sometimes it feels like the enemy has more authority than my voice. But in this case, Hannah said, my voice has become louder and larger than the enemy. When the enemy is talking in my ear, God is going to give me the ability to say something that is more powerful than the enemy. Praise God. Hallelujah. So no matter what he says, there is something that is greater. Who does that? God does that. He gives me the ability to have a mouth that is enlarged over mine enemy. Hallelujah. There is none holy as the Lord. There is none beside thee, neither is there any rock like our God. There is nothing like the foundation that I can stand upon, like the rock that is my God. There is none beside him. There is none else. There is none more holy than he is. He is worthy. He is great. He's my foundation and it is greater than anything that I could ever find in the world. He's my rock. The builders rejected him, but he has become the head cornerstone. Praise God. It's what I'm building my foundation on. And so I acknowledge him and I worship him. Talk no more exceeding proudly. Let not arrogancy come out of your mouth. For the Lord is a God of knowledge and by him actions are weighed. The bows of the mighty men are broken, and they that stumbled are girded with strength. They that were full have hired out themselves for bread, and they that were hungry ceased, so that the barren hath borne seven, and she that hath borne many children is waxed feeble. What she is saying here is God is the supreme judge, and at some point justice is coming. The enemy may feel like he's got an advantage against you but know this the Lord sees that and he is the righteous judge and there is coming a day in which he's going to be your strength and he's going to be your help and he's going to set things right the Lord killeth and maketh alive he bringeth down to the grave and bringeth up the Lord maketh poor and he maketh rich. He bringeth low and lifteth up. He raiseth up the poor out of the dust and lifteth up the beggar from the dunghill to set them among princes, to make them inherit the throne of glory. For the pillars of the earth are the Lord's, and he hath set the world upon them. He will keep the feet of his saints, and the wicked shall be silent in darkness. For by strength shall no man prevail. The adversaries of the Lord shall be broken into pieces. Out of heaven shall he thunder upon them. He shall judge the ends of the earth, and he shall give strength unto his king and exalt the horn of of his anointed. What she is saying in all of that is God ultimately is going to win. No matter what I've gone through in my life and the difficulties that I've experienced and the disappointments that have been in my life, God ultimately will
will be the victor. So if you feel like you're the victim here tonight, just hang on because God is going to make things right. He is going to exalt up. He is going to exalt up. He's going to glorify. He is going to strengthen. He is going to encourage. I've come to tell somebody here in the house of God tonight, if you came in feeling low, there is a God that knows how to elevate you. If the enemy has been dogging your trail and dogging your tracks, there is a God that's going to redeem you from the hand of the enemy and give you strength and anointing. He's a righteous judge. He's a righteous God. He's going to set the record straight when the adversary wants to roll out your record. God is going to set the record straight. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. I feel the anointing of God in this place. There have been times when I could barely crawl my way into the building. I felt so very low. And I felt that like the enemy was constantly speaking to me and judging me because he wants to use that as leverage. But there's been a message. There's been a word of the Lord. There's been a worship. There's been a praise that helped me get off of my belly and off of my face and somehow get my way to my feet and lift up my hands and leave different than the way that I came because the anointing of God stepped in and God said, I'll be the righteous judge. I'll make sure the judgment is right. Anybody ever feel like the underdog? I want you to know as long as God is on your side, you're on the right side. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. You know why? Because the victor is the king of kings and the lords. The conqueror is Jesus, the righteous one. Hallelujah. Praise God. But this was not always the case in Hannah's life. Uh, and that's, that's where we have to lay a little bit of foundation here because Hannah found herself depressed, bitter. Nudge your neighbor and say bitter. She was the wife of Elkanah, and he had two wives, Penina and Hannah. Penina had children. Hannah had no children. And whenever they would make their way to the tabernacle in Shiloh, Elkanah would give portions to Penina, but he would give greater portions, a worthy portion to Hannah because he loved her, but the Lord had shut up her womb. And her adversary, which happened to be Penina, provoked her sore for to make her fret because the Lord had shut up her womb and he did so year by year and provoked her and she wept and she did not eat. She was miserable. They would make their way to this place called Shiloh. When they entered into Canaan land, they needed a place to establish the tabernacle. The temple had not yet been built in Jerusalem. And so the tabernacle sat in Shiloh, and it was there for 369 years. 369 years. And so they would make their way there every year. They would make an annual pilgrimage 
to the tabernacle to offer sacrifice. And they would make their way to this place with the family. This was a family occasion. Family was important. Children were important. And Hannah would come to this place every year. And she ended up being a woman that was disappointed, irritated, and bitter because it seemed like life not, had not been fair to her. Every single day, the painful irritants reminded her of her complaint that she was childless. In ancient Israel, children were more than important. They were symbols of fulfillment. In Hannah's case, her childlessness was a double burden because her rival kept provoking her in order to irritate her. There was a little competition going on in the family and it was causing her to suffer great pain. Year after year, they would show up with family. This was a yearly convocation. The tribes had been spread all out. And so every year they would go to Shiloh and they would worship. They would give opportunity year by year to see families and how they had grown, new children and what have you. Hannah felt like an outsider. And she was bitter. Year after year this happened, childless. Her constant pain was that she could not hardly bear her fate she was denied something she wanted desperately. And certainly, the same thing could be said for any other biblical character like Joseph, Adam and Eve, Job, David. Every person in the scripture at some point would have the right to say, I'm bitter because of what things have transpired and have happened in my life. And so in 1 Samuel chapter 1 and verse number 9, we see one of these occurrences where they make their way to Shiloh. Hannah rose up after they had eaten in Shiloh and after they had drunk. Now Eli the priest sat upon the seat by a post of the temple of the Lord, and she was in bitterness of soul, prayed unto the Lord, and wept sore. And she vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if thou wilt indeed look on the affliction of thine handmaid and remember me and not forget thine handmaid, but will Give unto thine handmaid a man-child, then I will give him unto the Lord all the days of his life, and there shall be no razor come upon his head. She prayed this prayer in bitterness of soul, and the tragic effects of her pain and anguish were upon her life. And certainly it had some effects. The Bible says in Hebrews that a root of bitterness springing up can defile many. Not only does it defile you, but it defiles those around you. It defiles many. So here she is in bitterness of soul, and there are tragic effects of that. First of all, when a person becomes bitter, it colors the whole outlook on life. The Bible says that she was bitter. She wept often, and would not eat. She was downhearted. And in her prayer to God, she spoke of her condition as being in misery. How tragic when we are so burdened that we're unable to experience the simple joys that enrich our lives. 
I want to tell you emphatically here in the house of God tonight that the devil will try to get a root of bitterness in you so that it destroys your very life. And you can't see anything. It colors the entire outlook of your life. Everything is in focus of what was done, the disappointments, the things that you wanted to see, unrealized goals and relationships, and everything that goes with that, failures and disappointments can become things that, that can make a root of bitterness to spring up and to choke off everything else in your life so that you can't see anything but the hurt and the indifference of life because you are in the gall and the pain of bitterness. I want to preach to somebody here tonight. The enemy would love to step in and create a root of bitterness that would destroy your very soul. I want to preach to somebody. You can't let that color your life. I don't care what somebody said to you and did to you a long time ago. People will carry stuff around for generations until it affects them and then everybody else. I want to preach to you. You got to make sure that you suppress and put that under subjection and say, I refuse to allow the enemy to let something spring up in my life that chokes out the life in me. I'm going to recognize the joy of the Lord. I'm going to recognize the strength of the Lord. I'm going to recognize the goodness of the Lord. I'm going to be thankful in the midst of every struggle. I'm going to be grateful for God and everything that he has done because salvation is more important to me than anything else. Hallelujah. Let's clap our hands and thank the Lord together. Her depression was so great that she could not recognize the evidence of the grace of God. She had no child, but she did have a family that loved her and who was sympathetic to her and tried to respond to her. But because she was so in the throes of disappointment, bitterness, and being downcast, that she was unable to sense the good gifts that God had given to her, the evidences of his love and his grace. Her perspective was completely colored by her personal tragedy. She could not sense the beauty, the good, or the grace with which God infuses every believer's life. I want to say something that may disappoint and it may be confrontational and it may hurt your feelings. But whatever you've gone through, there are people that have gone through worse. I know you don't want to hear that because you want to focus on yourself and you want to absorb everything into your own self and say, I've got it worse than, than anybody else. I'm telling you, there are people in the world that, that have had it much, much worse than you've had it. And they're still living for God and they're still moving forward and they're still thankful and they're still grateful. If I ever, let me preach to myself, if I ever get to the place where I feel like it's just poor me and I've suffered more than anybody else, I'm in a dangerous position because there are people that had it worse than I. We like to self-reflect. We like to have pity parties. 
We like to focus on ourselves. I'm speaking as humanity in general. It is a general thing. Every single one of us in this building has experienced hurts and disappointments. You got to make a decision here tonight. Are you going to let that destroy you? Or are you going to use that for his glory? You going to let that drag you down to the pits of hell? Or are you going to say this was the Lord's doing and it's marvelous in our eyes? You say that's not the narrative of the world. I know it's not the narrative of the world. Did you know you can take every bad thing that's happened to you the most horrific thing that's ever happened to you and it can be for God's glory as a matter of fact if you're in this building here tonight that's for God's glory you shouldn't be here you should be strung out addicted and mad at everybody but you're in the house of God tonight because God had mercy upon you and redeemed you I feel the Holy Ghost in this place. We're not here to have a pity party. We're here to talk about how awesome God is. We're here to talk about how great God is. If it had not been for the Lord, where would I be? But I'm not there tonight. I'm in the house of God. I'm activating my faith. God is using me in the kingdom of God. I'm not destroyed, but I'm uplifted and encouraged. Hallelujah. Come on, somebody. People are rejoicing. You know why? It's time for us to get the voice of the enemy out of our ear and say, God is greater. He's enlarged my mouth to speak. Speak it, speak it, speak it. Let your mouth be enlarged. Let your mouth be enlarged. God is greater. I'm here in the house of God because of his goodness. Hallelujah. Some ladies need to get around that woman right there and worship the Lord together. Hallelujah. Come on, church. God wants to use you. He wants to elevate you. Praise God. We got one right there. Is there anybody else wants to come right? Uh, Sister Amanda, step out right here. Some folks need to get around this woman right here. And need to, you need to worship and celebrate God's goodness with her. Praise God. Anybody else want to step out right here? We got room right here. I feel strength coming. I feel the anointing of God coming. I, <laughs> I feel power coming. Hallelujah. I feel the Holy Ghost coming.
you go. There you go. There you go. Hallelujah. Come on, lift up your voice. Rejoice not against me, O mine enemy, for when I fall, I shall arise. Praise God as they're praying. If you've got a root of bitterness or something you're struggling with, you need to lift up your hands and say, God, I want you to strengthen me. I refuse to let that destroy me. I'm focusing on your goodness and your greatness. My attention is upon you, and you are going to enlarge my mouth. You're going to enlarge my mouth. You're going to increase the horn of my salvation. You're going to enlarge my borders and boundaries, and you're going to use me in the kingdom of God.
Praise God. I need some young ladies. You see me? Go back there. Go back there. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. That's it, sis. Come on. You're not alone. You're not alone. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Your help is coming. Hallelujah. Come on. Every struggle, it's for your glory. Every struggle, it's for your glory. Every difficulty, it's for your glory. Every battle, it's for your glory. Some other ladies right here in the center. Right here. Right there. Hallelujah. Come on, church. My failure is for his glory. Hallelujah. Every disappointment, it's for his glory. Every struggle and every battle I've been in, it's for his glory. It's a testimony. It's a testimony. I shouldn't be here, but it's his glory.
I need some pride, young couples. Come up here, young couples. Come up here. Young couples, pride, pride, pride.
don't stop praying. There's a depth in the house of God tonight. Hallelujah, hallelujah. There's a depth in the house of God tonight. Praise God. Keep praying. Keep praying. I know it's a weird thing <laughs> to say that your failure is for His glory, but it is if you've gotten up and you've moved beyond and you've repented and God's doing things in your life, it's for his glory. You know why? Because you got a testimony now. You say, Pastor, are you encouraging people to fail and fall? Absolutely not. You know that's not the truth. Those kind of things make for nights that you don't sleep, tears that are shed bombs that go off, shrapnel that goes everywhere, major, major difficulties. I'm not, I'm not suggesting at all that you should just haphazardly not think seriously about your walk with God, but I am saying this. If you're in the house of God tonight, you've got no reason to be bitter. you got every reason to be better <laughs> because it's for His glory. Yeah, but I failed. I made a mistake. It's for his glory. It's for his glory. You know what? You, you can tell somebody else, if the Lord did it for me, he can do it for you. Are you telling people that have been abused that it's for his glory? I'm telling you that's a tragedy, but yes, I'm saying it's for his glory. You know why? Because you're here in the house of God tonight, and you really shouldn't be here. But you're here because of his glory. I know what I'm talking about. You wake up at night, you have nightmares, and you go back, and the devil is so good at bringing and dredging up stuff that happened a long time ago, and he'll wake you up in the middle of the night and make you feel like a hill, like you're so very, very low. Hallelujah. But you're in the house of God tonight. It's for his... You know what you need to... The next time you wake up in a cold sweat and you ask yourself, how could I have done that? What a mess and what a mistake. I'm telling you, I'm giving you an answer. The answer that you need to say in the middle of the night, 3 o'clock in the morning, when you feel as low as you can get, you need just to say, it's for his glory. Not everybody would understand that, but Jesus understands it. I said Jesus understands it. Because he died on Calvary, his blood was shed, it's still effective, and it covers, and it still does a powerful work. And so when the enemy comes in, your mouth needs to be enlarged to say, it's for his glory. honest tonight don't raise your hand yet I'm not such a novice that I don't know and recognize that people have stuff that can really really lock them up 
It could be stuff small. But if we let it, it can become so big. I'm not asking you to identify exactly what that is, but I am asking you to be honest. Don't raise your hand yet. But is there anybody like that in the house of God that you just got some stuff that that's just troubling you, that's causing problems? That could very easily become a root of bitterness that chokes out everything else. I'm not expecting everybody in the building to raise their hand because we're not all in that position. But if you are and you would be honest tonight, I want you to raise your hand and keep it raised. Praise God. Keep it. Oh, my goodness. Praise God. I want you to keep it raised. Now, for those of you that are around those people, I want you to pray for them right now. Praise God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Touch brother Jesus. You see that?
Hallelujah.